Hello and welcome back to the second edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going? It's going great, man. Uh, we got some uh, sick kids on our end. Sounds like you do too. It seems like it's going around, but we'll pull through. We've got a big Super Bowl week coming up. Show number two. Pretty excited about it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sick kids here, but uh, you know, that's, it, it's the season for that. So like you said, we'll, we'll survive. We'll talk some football and uh, you know, if, if anything could um, unseat the Super Bowl as, as the top story of the week uh, for dynasty owners, at least, I guess it's this, this report about Calvin Johnson. Um, so we'll, we'll jump right in. My first question for you um, is a simple one, I guess, but but at the same time, really meaningful. Do you think he goes through with it? Do you think he actually retires? I do, and I've been up at the ESPN uh, Fantasy Summit the past two years, and we have some, had some insiders in there that were close to the situation and have said pretty much all along, don't be surprised if Calvin doesn't play as long as you think. You know, I mean, these ankles and all these injuries are really starting to – to wear him down they've kind of had to hold him together with duct tape so to speak and i mean larry fitzgerald's the only receiver in history that has made more money than calvin and he's in a situation where he's a big cap hit they'd have to restructure him or release him uh i, I think it's a good time i guess to get out but um i mean if i owned him and i don't in dynasty i'm in five dynasty leagues i don't own him anywhere and if i did i would have been selling long ago and it's easy to say now but you can't dump them either. I mean, it, would it shock anybody if it's week three of the preseason and his ankles are feeling good, he hasn't done anything, he's been relaxing and says, hey, you know, I might come back and give it a shot. Yeah, I think I think that's the thinking that the dynasty owners, uh, at least a, a good number of, of us have. You know, we've seen it with Brett Favre several years ago, just the continued um, – threats or promises, what have you, of, of retirement, and he continued to come back. Uh, we've even seen it just in the past few months with, with Steve Smith, the, the Ravens wide receiver, who announced that last year would be his his final season before he uh, suffered that injury, and now he's, he's changed his mind. So I, I think a lot of dynasty owners do want to believe that, uh, that this is not true. We haven't heard uh, any official announcement from, from Calvin Johnson uh, regarding this. But, you know, all indications do point to the, you know, to the idea that, that he is serious about this. He will actually re retire. Um, I think somebody made a good point the other night on Twitter when uh, Sunday night, I guess, when this news broke, that the most concerning sign as far as will he or won't he were some of the tweets from the Lions players. I don't know if you saw any of those. Um but Eric Ebron had a tweet where a, a picture of uh, of he and Calvin Johnson and um, just with, you know, a, a tear uh, yeah. emoji. So, you know, it's almost like an embargo was lifted with this Adam Schefter report that, OK, it's out in the open. We can talk about it now. And, um, you know, so so it does look like he is going to go ahead and go through with it. But that doesn't that still doesn't mean anything. Like you said, it, he could have that itch come uh, training camp or come preseason. And in a dynasty league, I don't think there's anything wrong with buying him for a third rounder at this point, if, if that's the, a deal you can make. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to ask you, because somebody asked me on Twitter last night, hey, I mean, I can get a fourth rounder for Calvin right now. Should I do it? And I'm like, no, not a fourth. You know, I mean. 
that that's just not enough. That's that has no value whatsoever. I mean, I can't move him for a fourth right now during Super Bowl week. With he might change his mind tomorrow. Exactly. I, I think if if I own Calvin on any of my dynasty teams, and 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 like you, I don't. I traded uh, traded him a couple of years ago. But if I do, I, I want a second rounder at least. Um, you know, on the other hand, on the other side of that, I don't think I would be buying for a second rounder. Right. But a third or, or certainly a fourth rounder, I'm glad to take a chance. And and even if he does officially announce his retirement, if training camp and, and preseason comes and goes and he's still uh, on the sidelines, I'm still probably going to hang on to him on my on my roster for probably for the full season. You know, we, we play in these dynasty leagues with, uh, fairly large rosters, 25, 26 players, sometimes even more. So you, you're just not going to find a better option than than him on the waiver wire in, in those types of leagues. Yeah, right. I mean, I'd rather have him right now than – I'm trying to think of some of my bottom of the roster receivers. Josh Huff, Albert Wilson, you know, somebody like that, or whoever I'm going to take in the fourth round that probably won't make my team. Exactly, exactly. Well, I know you've done some writing, uh, kind of looking back at uh, his career, uh, you know, since this news broke. And I've seen some discussion. I'm really surprised. The The question of, is Calvin Johnson a Hall of Famer? To me, that's a slam dunk, but I want to see what you think. Yeah, I do too. And I remember saying, maybe before 2014 season, that if Calvin keeps up his pace, which is obviously very hard to do, it's a Hall of Fame pace, I thought he would go down potentially as the second best receiver that's ever lived. I mean, obviously, Jerry Rice is number one. I think him hanging it up now, I can make the case. I would rather, you know, I I think when you look at the all-time greats, he's probably now fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, something like that, but certainly a Hall of Famer. And, I mean, he's 30 years old, and you can make the argument that he – was the best receiver in the league for five of them at least, and maybe a stretch there where he was the best player in football at any position. So to me, that's the definition of a Hall of Famer. He played long enough. And then I keep going back to it, like if I'm a corner or if I'm a defensive coordinator and I have to line up against Marvin Harrison, Torrey Holt, or Calvin Johnson, I wouldn't pick Johnson. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned he was probably considered or potentially considered the best player in the league for a stretch. He was certainly the best uh, player to own or, or the most valuable asset in dynasty leagues. Um, yeah, I, probably for a long time. You've been playing dynasty a lot longer than I have. I would imagine he was 1-1 in startup drafts for quite a while. And one thing I heard just yesterday was, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure this is true. If all the wide receivers in history that have played X amount of games – he averages the most yards per game. He just hasn't played that long. 80 right. yards per game, yeah. Right. So I, I wanted to think about, you know, for dynasty teams that do have Calvin Johnson on the roster, they just essentially lost one of their top players, one of their fantasy starters. What can they do at this point to replace him? It, it, you can't just go out and buy, uh, you know, another um, top 12 player. Well, I'm sorry, you can, but it's certainly not right. easy. Um, and, and even though Johnson was viewed as having a down year in 2015, he played all 16 games. He was still the wide receiver 12 in PPR leagues. In 
our most recent rankings at DLF, he's still the wide receiver 19 overall. And in our most recent ADP, we mentioned that on the last show, that's that average draft position data coming from actual drafts that are going on. He's the 20th wide receiver off the board. So there's still a lot of respect for, uh, for his value there. If you own Johnson in a, in a dynasty league, what, what are you doing right now? It's a good question, and I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm glad this didn't hit me. And I don't know if I would be, you know, immediately reacting to this and saying, oh, man, I got to go trade for Des Bryant or, you know, somebody I know is going to be a strong player and not not an upside guy like a Perryman or a Green Beckham, but do I need to find a starter? You know, I mean, Calvin Johnson is somebody you plug in your lineup every week. Um I, I don't overreact to the news if that would have been my, the case with my, with my team. But I do think that if you listen to this podcast more and more, and I think you and I are on the same page of this, that and it's all said and done, and if you take our advice over the next year or so, your dynasty roster is going to be loaded at wide receiver. You know, you're going to have a lot of young guys ready to step up. So if something like this does happen, and this is the reason you do it, you just build through receiver position, that you should be okay. Exactly. And, and you know, I, I preach collect that depth, especially at the wide receiver position, like you mentioned. Um, and sometimes that's easier said than done, especially when uh, news like this hits. I think if I if I have a contending dynasty team, if Calvin Johnson was my wide receiver one or or maybe even my wide receiver two, I'm looking to fix that. Uh, I guess patch that hole with a guy, maybe a, a guy like Julian Edelman. You know, he's he's a just continues to um, put up some some big numbers in that Patriots offense. He he also continues to be undervalued in dynasty leagues. <clears throat> so he's a guy I would maybe target. Uh, if you go after any of those, you know, younger guys in that range, um, Devonta Parker, Jarvis Landy, Jordan Matthews, those guys are all going to be very expensive this this time of year. But uh, Edelman or m- maybe even a Jeremy Macklin type, those are some guys that I would be targeting maybe, to fill that, fill that Calvin Johnson hole. I mean, just thinking of, boy, I need somebody to start. Even a Crabtree or a Decker, you know, to get you through until your Green Beckham or Perryman or whoever is somebody you can count on. I mean, you can find guys that are startable out there. Right. And and then to go along with that, I would continue to build that wide receiver depth in this upcoming draft and 2017 drafts, which which both look, um, you know, pretty stacked at wide receiver. Right. So let's look, before we move on from this Calvin Johnson news, let's think about what it does to the players left um, in Detroit. Um, The initial reaction I saw from many was big boost to Golden Tate. So last year uh, in 2014, when Calvin Johnson missed some games, I think he missed three full games and maybe uh, portions of a couple of others, Tate went off. Tate scored. Tate nearly doubled his fantasy production in those games versus games uh, that he played with Cal- alongside Calvin Johnson. I don't think um, I don't think it's fair to expect Tate to see a huge boost uh, in dynasty value, but but this can't hurt. What do you think? 
Yeah, I guess. I have mixed feelings on that. I mean, I wouldn't be banging on the Tate stores right now trying to get them. Um, it, it's a small sample size. I mean, that's one thing about football in general. I mean, yeah, it was six games or so, and he did really, really well. And I think he's a very good player. I want him on my NFL team. I mean, he's easy to root for. I like the player a lot. But he's not a number one receiver. And is he going to keep that up for a year with defensive coordinators knowing he's the number one? I think it hurts Stafford. I, I don't know if there's any way around that. It hurts Stafford. And I think all of a sudden the Lions' number one offseason need is now a wide receiver, preferably a big guy that can get downfield. So their first-round pick might be a wide receiver or – they might be extremely active in free agency, although there's not a lot of guys to go after this year. Um, but you didn't bring him up yet. I think the guy that gets the biggest boost is Ebron. And I have not been a believer, but he's in the third year of a tight end. You know, he looked better last year. He is progressing. Or, you know, young tight ends never do anything in this league. Tight ends that are picked in the first half of round one rarely bust. And, you know, especially red zone, I think he's the guy that gets the boost. But I can't say I'm sold. Right. I, I could definitely see that. Ebron was the tight end 13 last year. And that's even with missing, uh, I believe he missed two games, still nearly in that tight end one range among the top 12 tight ends. So, yeah, he's definitely uh, improving. He's a dynasty asset that's that's on the rise. You know, in the end, I'm probably just going to avoid this offense as a, yeah. as the dynasty player. Stafford's volume is still going to be there, but, uh, you know, anytime you take away anybody's top receiver, there's going to be a, a hit in production, a hit in dynasty value as a result. So in the end, I'm probably just avoiding this offense as much as I can. Um, and and an NFL note, I think the Lions might be in trouble next year too. You know I mean? All of a sudden, I'm having a hard time finding – real strengths to this team too. I mean, their roster needs a little bit of everything. I could see them going back to the six and 10 land. Right, exactly. <clears throat> well, let's move on to to the really big news of the week, which is of course the Super Bowl. We're, we're now just a few days away from, from the biggest game of the year. And I know, again, you've you've done some writing about this. This is, um, this is just a huge time of year for, for all, uh, football fans, and we're just going to dive in. I know we're a lot of the show is going to be dynasty-centric, dynasty-focused, but uh, the meat of this week, we just want to focus on this actual game, some some X's and O's, and I know you're you're ready to dive in. Yeah, I am. Uh, um, you know, I wrote a Super Bowl preview for FanRag.com. You can find that. I, I will, I'll be tweeting it out quite a bit, too. And, I mean, I, I'm going to take Carolina to win by – 27-17, 27-20. And we could probably dig into the matchups more from an NFL perspective than a dynasty perspective. But there are some dynasty guys to look at too. And, um, you know, where do you want to start? Yeah, well, let's let's just start with the game. We'll kind of save the dynasty conversation for the end. Um, you mentioned you went ahead and shared your pick there. You're you're seeing Carolina pull this one out. I think, that, you know, that seemed, they're the favorite. They're the Vegas favorite. They are uh, – uh, seem to be the pick of of most fans and most analysts. So let's go the reverse there. For Denver, for the Broncos to pull the upset, what has to happen? Who has to who has to play well? Who has to break out? What do you see for Denver to pull this out? What needs to happen? And a couple things under the radar. I mean, Denver's played very well on special teams the last couple of weeks too. I mean, pinning people deep with punts and 
you know, decent returners and whatnot. I, I feel like they have to dominate that phase of the game and have a big play or two, you know, a blocked kick, a big return or two, uh, Carolina fumbles a punt, you know, something along those lines. I, I, I almost think that that's the, the equalizer they need to keep themselves in it. A big worry for me, if I'm a Denver fan, team, whatever, is Carolina starts games so fast. You know, they come up and they get on top of people immediately. I mean, their first quarter numbers are unreal. We saw it against Seattle in, in a massive fashion. We saw it against Arizona. Two teams, I think, are better than Denver. And if Denver gets down, that that, that they, they're not equipped to do that. I mean, even when Denver's winning games, and they won plenty this year, they don't beat anybody badly. I mean, they, they're all, very, you know, narrow victories, defensive-minded. And if Peyton has to throw to get them back in the game against the – most opportunistic defense in the league by a wide margin, you know, by a wide margin. I mean, their linebackers are great at getting the ball. A lot of zone. They're always looking at the quarterback. They break on the ball really well. You know, they, they have good hands. They have good ball skills on defense. Norman uh, and Manning, I'm not sold that he's still not a turnover machine. I, I know he hasn't turned the ball over since he came back in week 17. But before that, I mean, it was historically bad, his, his interceptions. And don't color me you know, a believer that he is going to be able to fit the ball in tight windows and there's not going to be, and all the windows are going to be tight against that zone or, you know, deal with pressure or make arm strength throws. Uh, I think he's kind of in for a long day and, and for Denver to win it, they need to be, you know, about even at halftime, their running game needs to be somewhat successful, keep it close. And they're going to have to win in the last couple of minutes of the fourth quarter, which is really their recipe all year. Yeah, exactly. It does seem like since uh, Manning returned to the lineup in that Week 17 game, the offense has has looked completely different. You know, uh, heavier reliance on the run in the playoffs. So that that makes sense that, you know, we have to see something from C.J. Anderson. We have to see something from Ronnie Hillman. And then just one of those game-changing plays, as you mentioned, either on defense or on special teams. And, you know, at, like you said, also Carolina is, is well known this year for uh, that first half production, getting up early on teams, but then they've also let teams come back in the second half. So I'm I'm glad you mentioned and, and kind of addressed that because that's what I was going to to ask you if if Carolina does get up two scores or more, you think it's probably over at that point? Yeah, I do because their running game. All goes through Cam, you know, which it makes them unique. I mean, they're they're really the only offense in the league whose running game derives from their quarterback. And that doesn't mean he's going to be their leading carrier, but all the the motions and read option and all the different things they do is based off an extreme threat of quarterback run. And when he does run, he gets 10 blockers, you know, and he runs like a fullback I mean, that can fly. So – I think if they get up and they can just run and pound the ball and pound the ball against a lighter defensive front. I mean, I really like Denver's defense, but if they're in nickel, you know, your defensive tackles then become Wolf and Jackson, you know, your ends are Miller and Ware. I mean, I think they wear down. Uh, even if they're in base, you know, you bring in Sylvester Williams at the nose and he's not a, you know, behemoth either that I think this defense can be run on and worn down, especially like an attack like this. So if it's, again, for Denver to win this game, I think they have to keep it close, and I don't see them running away with it. I can't see the opposite, where it's 14 nothing before you know it, 
or you know it's 21-3 and all of a sudden the the Panthers have to abandon their running game and Cam has to throw all over the field against a good pass rush and good corners I can't see the game going that way yeah I would agree and you've kind of mentioned this already but what would you say uh what has to happen for Carolina to win? Do they do they just need to continue to play the game that they played all year? Is it is it a case that they're just the better team and uh, unless there is that big turnover, they're going to win the game? Yeah, I mean, it's I, – I thought New England was going to beat Denver too, though. I mean, so they obviously got to play the games out. And there's – you know, this defense, like I mentioned, those edge pass rushers, Von Miller's an unbelievable player. The Denver corners certainly have an advantage over the Carolina passing game, the receivers, although whenever they throw, they throw deep and they keep a lot of bodies in in protection. And Newton's hard to get on the ground, you know. So if you're going to play a lot of man coverage against against Carolina, you're turning your back to Newton. He's just going to tuck it and run at times. I don't think this is a great matchup for Denver. You know, for example, Manning's greatest strength right now is – him coming to the line of scrimmage, deciphering a defense, audibling to the right play, and knowing where to go with the football, if that's run or pass. Well, Carolina, it's kind of like the Seattle game when Denver played them in, in the Super Bowl. They don't beat you with scheme. You know, I mean, it, they can put up on the scoreboard, hey, we're playing cover three. And that kind of neutralizes Manning's greatest advantage. And, you know, you look at that Denver offensive line, it's horrible. I mean, <laughs> I, I was on the, uh, the Ross Tucker – fantasy podcast today with Evan Silva and Ross and Ross mentioned it he said have do you remember a Super Bowl team that was as bad combined at quarterback and offensive line as Denver and I can't and, and I mentioned on the show that I could easily come up with 20 offenses that are better than Denver's and maybe 25 in, in the league I mean it's not a good offense the running game's getting better but are you going to run on Keekly and Short and Davis looks like he's going to play and Little Lele? I mean, I just don't think it's a good matchup anywhere for them. Right. I, I do think, you know, that's that's certainly the prevailing thought. And, um, you know, either way, I do think it'll it'll be a fun game to watch. The Super Bowls always are. Even, you know, if, if things get away from Denver a little bit, should should still be a very entertaining game. I'm going to ask you to uh, use your imagination here a little bit. We talked last last time about Peyton Manning. We both agreed that we can't see any way he's back in Denver, whether he retires uh, or if he does choose to to try to play one more year. We did not think that would be in Denver. We expect that to to be elsewhere with Denver cutting him. Could anything happen in this game? that would change Manning's future, maybe uh, talk him into or convince him to play one more season? I mean, obviously, who knows? I mean, he might be, he might think in his mind that I'm so great. I, what am I talking about? I'm going to play, you know, I'm going to come back next year. And we're hearing rumors today that the Rams are interested. We can get into that later, but um, I don't think he's going to be in Denver. I just think they can't afford him, And I think they'll put their, their stock and their money into Osweiler. But I would think that if they win in any way, in Elway fashion, I think that's the perfect scenario for a Hall of Fame quarterback to ride off into the sunset and I got a, I got my second ring and I'm done. I'm out of here. Can't get any better than that. The only way I could see, you know, him changing his mind, if he's thinking today that, yeah, this is the end, 
is what if it comes down to the last minute, you know, and, and they barely lose it, you know, or something crazy happens and Manning plays the game of it, not the game of his life, but a, a very good game. They put up 28 points and Newton at the very end gets him, gets a, hits a two point conversion to get 29 or something like that. And they lose a heartbreaker that they easily could have won. And maybe everyone in that locker room looks at each other and says, let's do this one more year. Right. Right. I do. Like I said, I ask you to use your imagination a little bit. I, I think Manning coming back at all is pretty far fetched, but, but it is a storyline we'll hear a lot um, as, as Sunday nears. And I guess next week in some way, kind of like the Calvin situation, we should kind of talk about his dynasty value if he has any, I mean, you're not going to trade him for anything, but I mean, if he by chance is coming back, I mean, you can't cut him either. Right. There's, you know, there's a lot of players like that that have that name value. Um, you know, I haven't seen even even with Manning struggles, I have not seen him cut from any of my leagues, any any uh, rosters, any teams that play in my leagues. Yeah, uh, I have not seen uh, Johnny Manziel. You know, he's he's been in the news this week. Haven't seen him dropped in any of my leagues. So you know that that name value carries a lot with dynasty owners. Just thinking, best case scenario, you know, maybe he comes back. Maybe maybe Manziel goes to Dallas. Maybe. Manning is the Rams quarterback and, and, you know, looks like a different guy next year. So how about RG three and Kaepernick? Have have they been still rostered in your leagues too? RG three. I've seen him dropped in quite a few leagues. Uh, And, and and this time of year, you know, with, with people, uh, I guess, looking towards the future, I've seen him added, you know, he was dropped at the beginning of the season the Redskins made it apparent that they were, you know, he was not going to see the field this year, which he didn't. And and now with the expectation that he's going to be out of Washington, maybe in Dallas, maybe somewhere else, he's he's being added as one of those stash players, which I think is a, a pretty smart idea. Yeah, I agree. And same with Kaepernick. And I was in a crunch, I don't know, probably week seven or eight and had injuries and had to pick somebody up. I ended up dumping Kaepernick and somebody quickly grabbed him and, I may regret that at some point. I mean, because he's running quarterbacks, you know they're going to put up points. And, um, you know, Chip Kelly's offense, he may get a shot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, uh, this game is is obviously huge for, for all football fans and, and everyone really across the country. But it, it also has an impact on, on dynasty players, or, or at least a potential impact. Last year we saw uh, Chris Matthews, the wide receiver that few had ever heard of, you know, have the game of his life and, and suddenly have some dynasty value. He ended up being kind of a roster stash all off season before, before people cut ties with him and, and gave up on him. So, you know, it's, it's hard to predict the Chris Matthews types uh, breaking out in, in the, certainly in the Super Bowl or really, really in any game, but there are a few players on that kind of that dynasty peripheral, that, that second, third, fourth tier, that with one big game on on the biggest stage could see a real boost to their to their dynasty value. One of those is uh, Carolina's rookie Devin Funchess. What have you seen from him this year? And he's I know he's disappointed. Everybody expected him to be the next Kelvin Benjamin, especially once once Benjamin went down with that injury. Funchess was really slow to get started, but he's he's coming on here at the end. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a really good point about Chris Matthews too. I mean. For those that aren't real into Dynasty or just getting into it, 
you know, a guy like a year ago, none of us even knew who he was. I mean, I do this for a living and I didn't know who Chris Matthews really was. And, you know, I wrote up Super Bowl previews and never mentioned his name at one point. And he has that game and he only caught three or four passes, but they were huge. And every dynasty league I was in, people were putting in huge bids for Matthews. You know, he's going to be their number one receiver. So people get crazy because of this game. And, you know, I see you have a couple names here to talk about. And if one of those does blow up, their value will probably be inflated too much. I mean, it's a rule of thumb that this one game with all eyes of America on them is going to do too much for somebody's value than reality really sits in. Funchess is weird for me because in all my leagues, I didn't draft him once. And I was not a huge fan of him coming out of Michigan. Um, I didn't see a real explosive player. Uh, too many drops, but you know, his last year at Michigan, he played hurt too. So he was a tough eval. Um, and I think that he's really gotten better. Like you said, I mean, I think all in all, this has been a successful rookie season. And I think he's going to be in the long-term plans opposite Benjamin. These huge catching radiuses are perfect for Newton. And I acquired Funches in a deal. I traded, I don't even remember the specifics, but I traded AJ Green and I got Funches, I got Lockett, and I got a bunch of second and first round picks on a team that was going nowhere quick. So I'm happy to own him. But if he has a big game on Sunday, you know, I wouldn't mind floating his name out there and see what he can bring in return. Yeah, I agree in general that that anybody that any of those types of players that have that that breakout game are going to be overvalued by the community as a whole. You know, Funches is is a highly regarded guy, though. He he made that transition from tight end at, at Michigan to wide receiver. And, and, you know, that's not necessarily a difficult transition, but uh, it's not always the smoothest thing either. And and as we've said, he's he's improved as the years gone along. I think um, with Benjamin back next year, Funches can you know, possibly settle into that number two role if he can show some improvement, hang on to the ball. He's a guy I would actually be buying if you can find the owner who looks at his full season and, and is disappointed. Um, and so as course, a buyer, you'd like to see him just catch two for 35 on Sunday, something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'll, I'll probably be cheering against him for, with, with that. But what's your price on him? I mean, you're not going to get on, I don't think, for two – an early second. I think you. I think you could. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's about where he was going last year. Um, so again, if you can find that owner that just wants to cash out, or uh, you know, it's so important to know the uh, tendencies of your league mates. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Uh, if, so find that guy that that, like I said, is disappointed, looks at the whole season, and, and sees that he's wide receiver. 60 or 70 something in scoring and and just wants another second round pick then i think it's a possibility see i as an owner of him now i kind of thought hey i'd move him for a mid first you know if he has a big game although i don't know his draft class quite well enough i mean would you what side of the deal would you want on that one seven or funches yeah even even if he has you know if he has that matthews type game with two touchdowns and you know just burst his name onto the scene then I'd still take the mid first over him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I think there's, uh, I'm looking at three Denver players, uh, all, all pretty well known, very well known by dynasty owners, but all have a chance to, to really boost their value 
going into this offseason. We talked about the the pair of running backs last week a little bit, or last episode, C.J. Anderson, Ronnie Hillman. Both are going to be free agents. Anderson is an unrest- I'm sorry, a restricted free agent, so he's he's expected to be back with the team, and Hillman's kind of up in the air. Both of those guys with with a big game could really see their dynasty value increase. Do you agree with that? I do, especially Anderson. I, I it, it drives me a little crazy watching this team lately. Why Anderson isn't more of the lead back? I mean, I think he fits the system better. I think he's more talented. He's bigger. He, he's more of a chain mover. I know he was injured early in the season, and Hillman ha- had some flashes there early, but I don't think they're comparable in terms of talents. Um, I would be trying to sell Hillman, especially if he has a good game. Um, Anderson's definitely a buy for me, and I think we mentioned that. And even if Hillman's back. I, mean, I guess you think, oh, well, what's the Denver running back situation going to be like next year? Anderson's going to be there. And if Hillman leaves, they got to bring somebody in. I mean, they can't live with Jawan Thompson and those type of guys. But they have a lot of needs, and they got a lot of roster changing around. I don't think it'll be a, you know, a first-round pick, second-round pick type running back. I think it'll be Anderson's job. And Hillman, I tend to think if he goes somewhere, I think we talked about this last week, he's not going to be Shane Vereen. He's not good enough in the passing game. So – I can see him fading away. I'd like to dump him while I could still get something for him if I owned Hillman. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. You know, I'm just not not a believer in Hillman at all. If he if he gets that um, value bump as a result of being in the news or signing with a new team or some mm-hmm. maybe some heightened expectations on uh, on him, then I'm I'm gladly selling him for really any second I can get. I think you said last time you might take a third for him. Maybe, or a third in a player I kind of like, or, you know, a future pick or something like that. And maybe the sell point on him is either he has a good Super Bowl right after, or the second he signs somewhere else. Exactly, exactly. And just to throw this in, I did see uh, on Twitter this morning that C.J. Anderson in one league was traded for a mid-first. That I think I believe it was 1.7. So uh, his value is definitely climbing back to where it was. Uh, last offseason when when there was so much hype on him. Yeah, and I think that's about right. I mean, there's probably only a dozen or so running backs in a in a running back-starved environment that I'd rather have for Dynasty than Anderson right now. So one other guy who um, could see his value rise, and, and I have to admit I don't see this happening, but Cody Latimer, um, former uh, second-round pick of the Denver Broncos, He's, you know, he's just been one of the biggest disappointments of the past couple of years, has, has barely stepped on the field. Welker left after last year, Julius Thomas left after last year, and so many dynasty players just presumed Latimer was going to step in, uh, claim some of those snaps, some of those targets, and and was just going to be a, a huge dynasty asset. And again, he's, you know, he's been outplayed by uh, guys like Benny Fowler and Jordan Norwood, you know, players that most dynasty players aren't even familiar with. So is there any hope for Latimer at this point? I think so. I mean, to me, he's the ultimate buy super duper low. Or if we got a deal on the table and I'm giving you two of mine for one of yours, hey, throw in Latimer so that makes the numbers work. You know, I love that trick. You know, instead of, you know, just give me one more guy because you got to cut him anyways. I'll take uh, Latimer. You know, you kind of pick somebody that has a shot at least. And I don't know how familiar you are with Cecil Lammy from Football Guys, but he's right in – he's a Denver guy. I mean, he's a Denver reporter. He's there all the time. And he has some interesting things to say 
when Osweiler took over that Latimer seemed like a new guy because Peyton wasn't barking in his ear all the time. You know, he ran a route that was 17 yards instead of 18. I mean, Peyton's so precise that, you know, I'm sure he's hard to work with if you're a young guy that's still learning and a raw player like Latimer. That next year, maybe Latimer's, you know, uh, they're number three. And there's something to be said for that. Uh, The ability's there. I'm not really ready to totally, you know, cash out on the guy. If I own him, you can't get anything for him. But I would throw a late pick in his direction or try to get him as an add-on on my team. Yeah, I think, you know, at, at that in the scenario you're describing, if you still believe in a guy or a guy has that pedigree, then then you might as well take a shot on him. Personally, I'm, you know, I'm dumping him for whatever I can get. I'm, I'd right. glad, gladly take a third-round pick for him and, and actually made that trade uh, several weeks ago uh, during the regular season. Now, would you rather have Latimer or Cordero Patterson? <laughs> uh, like the same guy. Yeah. Um, and they both were a, super high, you know, pedigree dynasty players. At that's one a tough one. Of course, Patterson was, you know, a, a second round startup pick. Um, not, not so long ago. Uh, They're the same guy to me. I guess know. I would, yeah. I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably rather have Latimer. You know, I don't think I don't think uh, Patterson's even a wide receiver at this point. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's a return guy. So we want to wrap up today. Um, I know you were kind of soliciting some dynasty trades on Twitter from from our listeners, and we got quite a few. Uh, we picked out a couple here that that uh, we can share our thoughts on. I was also soliciting some uh, following for uh, at Dino <laughs> Blueprint too. My man yes. Matthew Barry helped us out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, was that, was, that was great of Matthew, and and thank you for everyone for following that account. We're we're looking forward to uh, getting these episodes on iTunes and and kind of broadening our reach a little bit. But let's dive into some of these. Like you, I'm traits. sorry. Like like you, I've answered that question four thousand times. And yes, we will be on iTunes. Yes, we'll be on all the different uh, places you can find, uh, you know, podcasts and get downloaded. Our boy Pod Vader will get us set up here eventually. Exactly, exactly. Hope, hopefully, it won't be too long. Uh, the first trade is from at Blue Demons thirty three. Um, not sure what side uh, he was on, but the trade was Sammy Watkins on one side, uh, the other side was Jarvis Landry, and the one point oh two rookie pick in this upcoming draft. What side do you like there, Matt? Well, you know, like I said in the last podcast we did, you're way more on top of these rookies than I am. So I don't know the difference between 1-4 and 1-12 as well as I should. But to me, and I assume you agree with me, it looks like the top two picks, there's a drop-off after that. You know, Treadwell and Elliott, to me, are clearly 1-2, and almost doesn't matter where they land. That being said, I'll still take Sammy. And I like Landry a lot. Uh, I like one, two a lot, but I'm still a big Watkins fan. And I think he's capable of greatness. Yeah, I agree. Um, One thing I like to do, especially in the off season, I've I've written about this and and talked about this before on Twitter is make these consolidation trades. If you've, if you've stocked up that depth, like we mentioned earlier in the show, you've got some players, um, you know, guys like Jarvis Landry who might not even be starting for you. And then you have a handful of picks. I think it's a great idea to, to package those for a shot at that one elite guy. 
Um, and, and I do think Watkins is, is now in that elite range. You know, he's going to be a first round startup draft pick and in the majority of dynasty drafts that, that take place this off season. Um, and as far as the rookie draft, you're right on, um, there's a pretty big drop uh, in, in my view from the 1.02 to the 1.03 and beyond. So it's, it's, uh, Treadwell and Elliott, as you mentioned, as the top two, and really similar to last year with Gurley and Amari Cooper. You know, it can be argued, should Elliott go first? Should Treadwell go first? And, um, it, you know, we'll we'll see both both ver- versions of that. But it's a big drop-off to 1.03. Last year it was Kevin Wyatt was right there. Melvin Gordon was right there after right. he landed in San Diego. And – and there wasn't a huge drop from two to three by the time you got to rookie drafts. Uh, and, and that that could be the case this year as well. But right now there's there's a handful of guys who could be that third pick. And, and you know, we'll just have to wait and see how these, uh, you know, the NFL combine goes and how workouts and, and, of course, how the draft goes before we know who's the favorite at, at that 1.03. You had a great point there, too. We mentioned it last week, and I want to keep bringing it up almost every show. Roster space is extremely important too. I mean, if you can get rid of two for one and upgrade, and then you're having, you know, that's one less rookie. You're, you're one less guy you have to cut when your rookie draft rolls around. That has value in itself. Um, I'm going to throw something at you that we didn't talk about before, though. But it, you mentioned the consolidation thing. I'm in a league where I just barely got into the playoffs. I took over a terrible team. I'm young. I'm good. I have one, two, one, three, one, seven, one, ten, and two, oh, one. And I have Odell Beckham's owner's ear right now, and, and he wants a lot of that, and I just don't know how much to give up. I mean, one, two, and one, three definitely have to go. What more do you have to give up to make it worth your time to grab Odell, who I think is the number one player in Dynasty right now? Yeah, well, I would have a hard time paying more than four first-rounders. Yeah. Or I, I guess more than three first rounders for any player. I um, haven't offered him four. You know, I mean, he knows what I have, and he's one, two, and one, three have to be part of the deal. And I don't know what else to give him to make it happen. Right. I, you know, I, I do think there's a handful of guys who are worth three first rounders. Beckham would certainly be in that case, and, and maybe he's worth even more. The thing I would caution with, and, and you can't always do this depending on your trade partner, I think it's imperative to wait until the draft before you're before you're selling off those those draft picks you know the closer we get to the draft the more valuable 99 times out of 100 those picks especially those early picks will be um you know somebody is going to step up somebody's going to have a big combine somebody's going to you know dallas is going to draft a running back something is going to happen that that makes that one three uh, such a valuable pick even though right now like i said we don't know who that is yeah, but if Dallas uses their second round pick on Derrick Henry, all of a sudden people might be taking him at one one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, to get to your specific question, I would I would just about give whatever it takes to get <laughs> to get Beckham. Uh, you know, you, it sounds like you have a a pretty good team. You know, I do. You, you made the playoffs. You've got all these extra picks. Uh, if you can give three of them, even if it's the three best picks. Then, then go get Odell. Yeah, I think that's the move. We'll keep you guys in the loop on that. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk probably way too much about our own teams. <laughs> I hope we don't do too much of it, but yeah. yeah. 
All right. Well, let's, uh, I want to hit on one more tweet before we wrap up. And, sure. and this one actually came from you. Uh, I think this was kind of a piece of advice you were giving as, uh, as an answer to some different trade questions, but you tweeted this yesterday, I believe one of your golden dynasty rules don't assume or don't think you know more than an NFL franchise. And, and I know I've heard this from you a lot, you know, decipher those clues that they leave us. They're giving us clues with their evaluations, with their transactions, the move that moves that they make, take all of that in and use that to help you make decisions in your dynasty league. Yeah. And you know, as smart as any of us are, we don't know as much about Odell Beckham as the New York Giants organization does. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, and, and a key to this is I think teams lie. I think players lie about their injuries. I think coaches lie every day on their press conferences. I, I think teams come out and say, yeah, we love Johnny Manziel. And, you know, the second they meet him, they knew they didn't like him, you know. But the <laughs> one time they don't lie is on draft day and where they put their free agency money. And that can tell you gobs and gobs about what they think of their team. And that's something that the two of us will help all you owners out there with a lot because I have a great feel, in my opinion, of every NFL team, their strengths and weaknesses. And when they only have X amount of cap space and X amount of draft picks and they're using it in certain areas, that will tell you a lot about what they think of every guy on their team. Exactly. You know, coming from you with that, with that experience in an NFL um, war room, that's, that's so valuable and so important for dynasty players and, and all fantasy players to remember when, when making their decisions about their teams. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm glad you mentioned that one because don't think all of a sudden, and, and Sigmund Bloom says this really well, reading the tea leaves, you know, I mean, take all these little hints you get and know which ones are, are real and which ones aren't. And you can have a pretty good idea what teams think about specific players, you know, and, and Act accordingly. Go get them. If they, if they seem to like them, go get them and add them to your team. That sounds good. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. That will, uh, that will conclude our second episode. Enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend, and we'll see you next time. Might have a guest next week. Might have a first guest. We're going to try to work on something there. All right. Take care. <laughs>